Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realise that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. will we look at the person who wipes down their airplane seat as crazy. When the travel industry is hurting, by extension, the fashion industry is hurting. Some people are hoping that there'll be fashion weeks in September, and what's your view? I don't see any scenario, any scenario, where September, a physical event can happen anywhere in the world, above 50 people, with any semblance of safety it would be irresponsible for the fashion industry to attempt it. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion, and welcome to another special edition of the BOF podcast. This week, I sit down with Rafat Ali, founder and CEO of Skift. Now, Rafat and his team at Skift have been trying to understand the impact of the coronavirus crisis on the travel industry in the same way that we at BOF have been trying to navigate the coronavirus crisis for the fashion industry. Now, what few people really appreciate is just how interconnected the fashion and travel industries are. About 40% of luxury consumption is linked to travel. And in 2019, Chinese consumers took more than 166 million trips abroad, accounting for about 50% of their total spend. 
Travel retail alone is worth $79 billion. So when people stop traveling, they stop spending on fashion. And so I thought, who better to speak to than Rafab to learn how the coronavirus crisis is impacting the travel industry and how the travel industry is likely to change once the lockdowns start being lifted. So here's Rafab Ali, Inside Fashion. Good afternoon or good morning, Rafat. How are you? Good, good. Yeah, you're you're in New York. I am in New York. Yes, the the global hub of uh, pandemic, not travel, but pandemic certainly at this point. Yeah, the the numbers coming out of New York have continued to look increasingly scary. What's what's the situation there right now? What's the vibe? Yeah, I mean, we're closed. All of us are closed and uh, the numbers are scary and there's still, you know, hundreds of people dying every day in New York State as well as New York City, which is primarily New York City. Um, and, um, you know, feel surreal. I've not been in office, uh, to the office in about a month and a half. And even though it's only 25 minutes subway right away, it feels like a whole world away at this point. It feels like I'm going to, you know, travel to my office, which you never use the word travel uh, to going to your office. And just getting into the subway is seems to be a scary thought for a lot of people, not just me, but but obviously a lot of people are still using it because that's what they have to use. So yeah, it's, it's uh, surreal. And we know that New York will be the last city in the world probably to open up. Um, wow. Or, or, you know, it seems like what it is. And we've gone through some scars. I mean, we've had 9-11 here, obviously the financial crisis, not just in New York, but the world over. So I was here during both of those times. New York, you know, after 9-11 was a, was a tough, tough place to be in. Um, but uh, this is a whole different level. Yeah, it certainly is. Well, Rafa, I'm so pleased to talk to you today because um, for those of our listeners who don't know, Rafit does the closest thing out there to BOF, but for a completely different industry, the travel industry, which is like fashion, one of the world's largest industries employing millions of people. And when I was thinking about people that I wanted to talk to about the pandemic for the latest in our series of special editions uh, here on the BOF podcast, Rafit came to mind because actually, though fashion and travel seem worlds apart. They're intimately interconnected. And, you know, a huge portion of the fashion consumption and, and purchases in the world happen when people are traveling. So when the travel industry is hurting, by extension, the fashion industry is hurting. And Rafat, you know, I, I, I'm so glad to talk to you, but should we talk a little bit first about the state of the travel industry today? I mean, as you just mentioned, this is an industry that has faced huge shocks before with 9-11 and SARS and uh, the financial crisis. You know, what travel has stopped before in the world, mm -hmm. but how is this crisis different for the travel industry than the previous crises? Yeah, I mean, 9-11 was sort of a one and done, to use a crude phrase, um, situation happened once one day or spread over a few days and then 
the travel industry did start back. Yes, we were in a recession after the financial crisis that happened in 2008. 2009 was similar, which is travel still exists. It's just much less than what it used to be. Obviously, this is a whole different level. This is travel has stopped for um, in Asia starting pretty much in, in late Jan and Feb. The rest of the world, I would say March, would become the month that will be remembered in history as the, as the month that the world stopped traveling. The world stopped. Forget traveling. The world stopped. They, they, if they don't travel, the world stops. And, um, you know, in fact, I was thinking about we should do an oral history of March 2020 at some point in the future. Um, and of what happened in the travel industry, blow by blow. Uh, blow, by blow. And so um, it's been severely impacted. It's, as you said, one of the world's largest industries. It is intertwined in every sector in the world, including yours. And by travel stopping, the world has stopped. And I think, you know, ironically, I would say for the first time in a long time, the world, the larger world is realizing how consequential the travel industry is by the sheer fact that the, 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 the industry has stopped. And so it's in a bad shape. And uh, obviously airlines, hotels, destinations, and majority of the travel industry is small and medium-sized businesses. Um, I'm guessing much like fashion where obviously there are the big names and there's a long tail of, of small businesses. And travel has the same thing. And so it is existential for, you know, hundreds of thousands of businesses, millions and millions of jobs. Uh, there's some estimate that 100 million jobs in travel will be lost during this pandemic. This is not U.S., this is a global number. And, uh, and then you can add the induced effect in, in restaurants and other parts of, the, of, of other sectors. So it's, it's a huge number. Um, the, the good news is that for most of the world, governments have deemed travel as a very hit sector, which means that they have a special focus on helping it come back. Airlines, there's a good chance very few airlines will go out of business from a bankruptcy perspective. The ones that were troubled to begin with, Virgin Australia, Norwegian, et cetera, et cetera, are the ones that are close to bankruptcy now or have already declared it. But the, generally, the, the state of the airline industry was generally healthy coming into this. And governments have deemed that they're essential, so they're bailing them out in various ways. The U.S. is a prime example of it. Um, hotel industry... Um, also, there have been bailouts also in U.S. and other countries as well. So, um, so generally speaking, I think there's a sense that travel is a very essential sector. Um, yes, it will take probably the longest to come back. Um, there's just a lot of hurdles, and we can talk about that on what that means. But um, we're beginning to see some signs. I think even just today as we're speaking, there's news that Greece says they will open up um, in July, Dubai just announced uh, overnight that they're going to open up in July. Obviously, with with measures to socially mm -hmm. distant, opening up means does anybody is is anybody going to even come, or is it just for locals? So I think all of those things we we are grappling with. But when the when the travel industry does return, and it will return, as you say, it's going to look and feel really, really different from yeah. the travel industry we knew just six, seven weeks ago. 
mm-hmm. where you know people like you and me, you know, were jumping on planes all over the world. I used to travel a hundred and fifty days a year and be on the road. Um, we would, you know, effortlessly jump on planes. Talk to me a little bit about how you think travel will look when we do start opening up. Yeah. So. I think one, it will open up in phases and there'll be a long, long period of different phases that are that are going to be there. So the first one that potentially will come back and we're already seeing signs of it in China because obviously China has reopened to a good extent is domestic travel. And so not even just domestic, domestic would be within a country, local as in your local two hours outside of London, two hours outside of New York, tight distance, a drive distance. And so you're not talking about airplanes, you're talking about road trips. I think road trips. So personal, like no longer will we look at the person who's, who wipes down their airplane seat as crazy. Remember, we used to look at some people who used to do that and said, oh, these are, why are they doing it? Yeah. Um, One of them was Naomi Campbell, by the way, who, uh, whose video on YouTube went viral last oh, year. When she, yeah, when she... I mean, you need to watch this video because, you know, I I remember some of it. Yeah. It, it was, it looked insane at the time. Now it looks prophetic, you know? Yeah. yeah. So all, this is all of us really, like we will be traveling with our own hygiene cleaning supplies. That is the reality for us going ahead. Um, personal control of your own space, I think is very, very important. So at least in this initial phase over the next, let's say, rest of the year. And so what that means is, your your car, your house, drive from your car to someplace, um, whether it's a cottage somewhere that you can personally clean yourself, even though it's being cleaned by, let's say, whoever the owner is. Um, and so that seems to be um, the first phase of what will happen. Domestic travel within a country, in a country as giant as US means air travel. And even though there's some early indications that the uh, the boarding process, for instance, um, and the check-in process at airports in China has completely changed. There's like 15, 20 more steps in that whole process. Even though we already had all those additional security checks post 9-11, so now we're talking more checks. Which means more time spent at airports, correct. Uh, even more time spent at airports. So we have to be ready for that. Um, I guess airport retail, which is your part of the world, fashion, etc., um, is probably um, looking forward to that just because there's just people with more time in their hands spending more time at airports and airport retail, um, which a lot of it is on the luxury and fashion side, as you know. Um, so, um, yeah, I think the, the check-in, the boarding, the security, and it's already happening where... Um, uh, where in China, the middle seats have been taken out of the flights that I think will be the norm for a while to come till whenever the vaccine comes, etc. I know Emirates has started something where they're checking every person boarding for the virus. I guess they have the resources to be able to do that. Not every airline has that resource. Uh, so you mean you they're to- testing people? Testing. So if you want to test, if you're not getting anywhere, the trick is to book an Emirates flight today. Right. Uh, so, um, and they may only be doing maybe in Dubai. That's my guess, uh, because that's where their home base is. Uh, U.S. doesn't have enough tests, so how are they going to do that? I mean, there aren't many flights coming. I don't think there's any Emirates flights coming to U.S. Um, 
but um, JetBlue and American, for instance, um, announced that you have to mandatory wear a mask if you come on a plane. Americans said they will supply the masks because obviously many people may or may not have access to masks as well. So these types of um, sanitized travel is our future, at least for now. That's interesting. And I know you said that maybe the kind of travel retail people will be happy to have people spend more time in airports. But as I think about already the, the feeling of frustration and stress and discomfort that people already have in navigating their way through the series of checks and um, processes at the airport now. If I'm adding onto that a layer of anxiety around the virus and wearing masks, and don't you think that's going to have a psychological impact to people? Whereas once they might have, you know, been waiting in the lounge at the airport and you know spotted a Prada store and decided to nip in to see something, now it feels like people's attention is just turned away from that kind of consumption, especially yeah. in a context where you know, everything is even more stressful and involved than it was before. Yeah, you, you're probably right there. Obviously, you can also imagine people's earning powers have been hit across the board, not just uh, not just any sector, every sector that, that is, uh, you know, every demographic or, or uh, earning power um, is hurting today. So obviously, consumption of luxury goods is a world that you cover um, is is likely going to be affected. One of the things we're exploring as it's, as it relates to that is luxury travel. And I'm guessing you, we may come into that, but like will luxury travel come back in the way that it was before? Um, would conspicuous consumption be um, out of fashion for a while? Uh, like it was a bit after 9-11, if you remember, uh, and even after the financial crisis. So certainly there'll be a sentiment around that that will affect the luxury travel industry for a while to come. But you could argue that the type of sanitized travel that you want is available in that part, in that sector. Just more resources, more personnel, more ability to more space, mm -hmm. whether it's a resort, a luxury resort, a luxury villas, or private planes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so... Um, and certainly the people that have the capability to do that before would still have the capability to travel after. Uh, so you would imagine that um, it may actually be fine if not at the, at the level. I mean, no, no part of travel will be at the level that it was before. But I do think that luxury travel probably is fine. In fact, wellness, which is becoming a bigger and bigger part of travel, like wellness and hygiene, sort of hygiene and wellness meets, and that becomes luxury uh, going ahead. Yeah, it's interesting because for a while now, we've been watching the rise of what people have been calling experiential luxury, which includes mm. things like travel and food and wellness experiences. So you're saying that because of the nature of that travel and the kind of space and experiences that it provides, but also because of the nature of that customer and potentially their relative resilience uh, to kind of weather this economic storm, maybe that travel comes back. That probably bodes well then for some parts of luxury 
travel, retail, and fashion, because those customers might be also the first to come back. That's also what we're predicting in terms of which parts of the industry will come back. I think the, the thing that we're discovering though, and I'm, I'm curious uh, on I'm curious to your take on this is, is it just going to come back at a much lower level? So, you know, last year, for example, that, you know, we, you mentioned China, Chinese consumers took 166 million trips abroad, mm-hmm. accounting for about 50% of the spend in our industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when they start traveling again, uh, for example, we don't expect them to continue to travel at that rate and account for that much of the industry. Correct. One of the big things that obviously travel in our, in our industry, we follow every micro movement of Chinese travelers abroad. It is the biggest global force in travel, as you know. Um, and uh, unfortunately, obviously, there's the perception that it's a Chinese virus, which means that Chinese travelers themselves when it does reopen, we'll probably be traveling outside less. Um, And so that would definitely affect travel sector and the fashion industry and the fashion sector as well, or retail in general as well. Um, So definitely that's the case. One of the big things that has come out of this for the destinations that depend on Chinese travelers heavily is to do more diversification. I mean, as in any business in life, lesson that you and I have learned, diversification is the most important thing in the world. And so diversification of des- of source markets, in this case, China, um, needs to be there. So, you know, whether it's Sri Lanka being more focused on Indian travelers versus Chinese travelers, that is because Indians are neighbors. That's just a random example. Um, Europe, in Europe, the majority of the of the tourism is within the countries to begin with. It just will become even more important. So European EU tourism or European tourism within the continent will become even more important. So I think Chinese travelers that were such a big spending uh, force, the largest global spending force really in travel, um, are no longer that force and will not be for a while to come. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. 
They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off-limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. I'm curious in talking a bit more about the, the Chinese traveler, because as you pointed out, they're also the most important customer for our industry. You know, when I speak to our friends and contacts in China, you know, life is slowly returning to normal. Certain regions in China are seeing a huge upsurge in uh, buying at certain brands like Hermes uh, Mm. and Chanel. They're calling it revenge buying. So it's like this pent up demand. But, you know, what are the patterns that you're already seeing in China that could presage, you know, what we might expect uh, in the in travel in the rest of the world, like they are clearly not able to travel outside China at the moment. So, what are these internal domestic traveling trips like? I've also heard, for example, that uh, countries like Korea and Japan uh, and Singapore may benefit from when when the when borders finally open up, people might want to stay closer to home and a. a yeah, so definitely Southeast Asia, which is where geographically adjacent to China, already was a big destination. Thailand, obviously, we did a story yesterday or just this week on how Thailand is betting its rebound on Chinese travelers coming back um, to Thailand. Um, Thailand strangely hasn't been hit as bad as you would imagine somebody that's adjacent to China, even though testing may be low, et cetera, et cetera. It still is not as badly hit as you would have originally thought. Um, in fact, Singapore now is the worst hit out of uh, all of those countries um, in that region. And so definitely the Southeast Asian market will benefit quite a bit. Australia probably be also because it's relatively geographically close and can market itself as a, as a clean and hygienic destination uh, when it does open up um, for that. So I think definitely that's the case. The long haul Chinese traveler, whether it's Paris or New York or L.A., Etc. The hugely dependent on you know the high spending Chinese travelers um, uh, will definitely be hit at least for the next year two years. So I think that's what I'm sure you're hearing from from your side of the world too. 
Yeah, it's interesting because the thing that used to really drive the travel trends amongst the Chinese traveler before was where they could get the best deal because the exchange rates, for example, mm -hmm. in Japan, a couple of years ago, the exchange rates to the yen were so favorable that it created this wave of travelers to Japan. And then there was also a wave of travelers to Russia. But now, I guess, as you point out, maybe one of the most important considerations is which countries are deemed to be safe. So Australia, right. for example, um, has really managed to contain its own epidemic and the number of cases and deaths has, has been um, flattened very, very quickly, Australia yeah. and New Zealand. So maybe, maybe in addition to proximity, the other thing people will be looking at is like, where is safe to go? Yeah, and there's already movement on things like what they're calling immunity passports. So like people that are one, one that are cleared to travel, two certifications, whether in the hotel industry or destinations themselves on cleanliness standards. Airbnb and the short-term rental vacation market just launched something um, on enhanced cleaning standards for Airbnbs. And in between this, the two stays, um, a window of anywhere from 24 to 72 hours before, any, before anybody can, can go in just so that it kills, you know, they can clean and kills the virus, et cetera. Those types of things are coming in the hotel industry as well. Accor, Hilton, Marriott, everybody's launching these, everybody's touting ours as the best, obviously, but um, they are tying up with Lysol or different disinfectant companies or, or these hygiene companies on touting their cleaning standards or that they will have these cleaning standards going ahead. Um, countries that have stamped it out, so Australia as an example, New Zealand as an example, maybe some Scandinavian countries as an example. The question will be the political will of the politicians there on reopening. A lot will depend on that because of the perception of China potentially bringing the virus in some circles. Right. Particularly in a country that has already been polarized like Australia. Yeah, I mean, there's like been US. there's been such a, a kind of damaging narrative around the source of the, the virus and some pretty heinous attacks and racism against not just Chinese, but any Asians, Asians traveling yeah. earlier this year. So, yeah, well, well, by that token, at this point, Americans should be the most discriminated against people in the world at this point. And, uh, you know, we are the global hub of this virus today. And so, um, you know, even internally within the U.S., there's restrictions on uh, people from New York State and New Jersey State coming into other states. There's mandatory. Some some states have some quarantine uh, put in. Some was illegal, et cetera, et cetera. So I think we'll see some of these some of these uh, restrictions because of the political nature of unfortunately what has happened, uh, not just domestically but also globally. So that will depend a lot on where Chinese travelers end up. Yeah. So now I'm going to ask you an impossible question because if I have like one of the world's foremost experts on the travel industry. And if our industry is dependent on travel, then obviously my question is, is Rafat, like in your view, when does this really start to open up in terms of getting the whole industry back yeah. uh, in action? Maybe not at the same levels. Clearly there's going to be, you know, fewer flights and all of that. But, you know, I'm thinking our industry is thinking ahead to September. 
and the yeah. fashion weeks that happen in September. And yeah. currently people are, some people are hoping that there'll be fashion weeks in September. And, you know, my view has been not so sure we're going to be in, in a situation where international travel is going to be possible. I mean, what's, what's yeah. your view? So, so are we talking about fashion week in New York? Fashion week in New York, Paris, London, and Milan. Yeah. So we not only cover the travel industry, we do our own events as yeah. well. Those yeah. are stopped, physical, no events. Most of them are in New York City. We are planning for zero physical events rest of the year, all virtual. We had five events from, let's say, September to December. I don't see any scenario, any scenario, where September, a physical event can happen anywhere in the world, above 50 people, with any semblance of safety. It would be irresponsible for the fashion industry to attempt it. Um, so summer, obviously, is coming up, big season for travel. This summer is, is, is pretty much shot, meaning like very little will be, will be what we just talked about, local. Um, next summer, potentially, assuming some vaccine comes in the first quarter of next year, um, to start some growing back of the travel industry. Also, these things take time. So after 9-11, for the passenger numbers to go back, air, this is the airline passenger numbers, to go back to the pre-9-11 numbers took three years, July 2004. So 2001, 2004. took three years for the numbers to go back to that number. After the financial crisis, it was about two years. Southwest CEO, maybe Delta CEO, said last week in the earnings column, we've been estimating that, that this is probably a five-year journey. Not that travel will be in the gutter for five years. It just means for it to even come anywhere close to pre-coronavirus numbers. We're looking at a 2025 at this point. And some sectors of travel may not ever come back to the level that we were. Corporate travel, for all the reasons that you and I know, people may not be doing that many business trips. We're used to doing what we're doing now, which is um, you know, recording virtually, and that becomes a norm in many ways for our lives. Uh, events are main, the giant conventions that used to happen, you know, very much in your city, in our city, et cetera, et cetera, uh, may, not, may not be that size ever going ahead, may not come back to that size. So um, I think we're looking at a three to five year journey for, for things to come back to somewhere close to the levels that they were. Um, in terms of the start of that journey, Obviously, we'll start a little bit this uh, fall, but we're really talking summer next season with maybe early evidence of vaccine, maybe some, a mix of vaccine and socially distanced travel will be very interesting. Uh, so I think that's probably what you're looking at. Is the key to unlocking the travel shutdown, the vaccine? You know, there's some people talking now, I think there's over 100 teams of scientists around the world working on vaccines. The, the most hotly tipped one that people are talking about here is at Oxford University. Yeah, I the same story. And yeah. I'm hearing that there's some manufacturers that are already, you know, producing that vaccine now in hopes that it might be approved and they'll have millions of doses ready. I mean, in a scenario, however slim the likelihood that is, yeah. In a scenario like that, do you think it changes everything? 
Yeah, yes, of course. I mean, if the vaccine comes, it changes everything. But what it doesn't change is the destroyed economic power of the world. The, the millions and millions and millions of people that have lost livelihoods. It's not like vaccine comes, let's rehire everyone. Yeah. Because the demand has to be there. Yeah. And with the, with the economic um, destruction that is had, not just economic, social and, you know, everything uh, on the world, I think economists, and I'm certainly not one, have said that this could be a depression, not just a recession. So, um, so I think, you know, the planning has to be more realistic than there's tons of pent up demand because people have been sitting in their houses and there's going to be a flow of people gushing out of their houses. Certainly that was the case in China in the first two, three weeks of reopening. The occupancy levels have stagnated since hotel occupancy levels in China. It was early, you know, like went from zero to 30%. And they've sort of stagnated at that for the last few weeks. That's because those were either medical workers or health workers or, or people going back to their works you know, to, from, from, their, from their cities and towns back to their work cities. Um, you will see some of the, the pent-up demand immediately come back in the travel industry, but that will be just a baseline that from there the travel industry will have to build. And as you know, as, as we mentioned, international cross-border travel really depends in many ways on vaccine coming. And, yeah. and not just vaccine coming and then it's getting propagated and then a base level of immunity happening across so that i'm sure any any doctor or scientist will tell you takes a while and the one thing i i tweeted this maybe a week ago if you've seen the inequities in the world so far in the last two months wait until the vaccine comes and you will see that inequity even more because who gets it first? How did they get it? How did they get access? Will be will completely lay bare the the all the all the disbalances of the world, even more so. So it'll be very yeah. interesting. Yeah, interesting and harrowing because, I, like you say, if there's one thing that's happened is this crisis has laid bare just how unequal the world is. You know, in our in our industry, we've been looking at the impact on garment workers in Bangladesh and India and elsewhere who, you know, through this lockdown, you know, have, you know, there's no like furlough schemes to save those right. workers, you know, yeah. it's been, it's been devastating. Well, well, the one thing that I think that it does, and you have covered this for years and we have covered this, the rise of Asia, so to speak, in the, in our world, right. The, the, the coming of the East to the West uh, and their economic power, their, um, their social power, et cetera, et cetera. I think this this only reinforces it because, you know, Western world, every infrastructure weakness, et cetera, has been laid bare over the last two, three months. And in fact, many Asian countries have recovered faster in terms of putting systems in place. And so in many ways in travel and maybe even in fashion, Asian consumers and travelers and uh, buyers become even more important going ahead because because there's that is not just the future of the world that it's a present of the world mm. you know Rafat, i'd be remiss as a fellow media entrepreneur not to ask you a bit about you know how you're thinking about the the business that you're running which is mm -hmm. effectively you know a very similar business to bof i mean what 
with no yeah. physical events this year, how, how has this transformed the way you're thinking about Skift? Yeah, I mean, look, we've been, uh, we've been hit as badly as you can imagine. Um, we are in travel. We are, we, events is a big part of our business. It also hit, hit us in Q1, which tends to be our, our, our lowest cash flow quarter. So um, Q2, Q3, Q4 are, are much bigger for us. And we were on a path. like We were going to grow 40% revenues this year, 40% in year nine of our business. Um, much of it predicated on, um, unfortunately, events. So obviously, all of those numbers are out of the window. Um, you know, One of the things we've done is, uh, I think, very similar to you, um, so we, we've had to do cuts in the company, unfortunately, deep cuts in the company. But what, I've, what we've tried to do is to keep editorial intact because it's the story of our lifetimes. This is the biggest story anybody has ever covered in our sector, in pretty much every other sector. And if we're not there for the industry covering this, deciphering this, helping them understand what's happening, then why should they be there for us when, when, when the recovery happens? So... Uh, so we've made sure to keep editorial and our research, um, which uh, which is the other part of our business, um, intact for most part, so that they can do the best works of their of their lives, which they are, and then and they're the engine of recovery when the recovery starts, because you know our our value has been validated ten times over in the last two months. Mm. Uh, it's it's evident from everybody that has our traffic is up three, four times normal traffic. It was March was that April, even though many other news sites are saying they're, they're coming off the highs, April will be as high for us as uh, March was in terms of traffic. Um, our um, We've pivoted quickly to online events and certainly they're not anywhere near physical events at all. And by the way, I'm sure in your world, there are a lot of events in fashion. Our ballpark that I'm estimating that if you are doing a one day event, that let's say you are banking a million dollars in revenue in a physical event, in a virtual event, in a best case scenario, you're probably talking 25 to 30% revenues from a physical event. Over, that's a good scenario. Like you've, you've won if, you've, if you're getting 25 to 30% of that revenue. Obviously, it's a lot cheaper to do. The margins are astronomical for a good B2B media industry event. Margins were what fifty percent in a in a in a great scenario. Now the margins are ninety percent. Yeah. Yes, the numbers aren't as high, but the margins are really high because soft. It's just video software. It unlocks so many more possibilities of types of speakers and geographies and just the numbers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, I am much as we've lost a good part of our business. Um, I'm going to run with what I have, which is this is the card we've been dealt. We're going to pick it up and run with it. And so, uh, so that's what we've been doing. Yeah. No, it all, it all makes sense. And it sounds um, very familiar in terms of you're just having to like become the de facto go-to resource for your community and your industry. And, you know, I've been looking at the stuff coming out of Skift. It's been really impressive. And I'm, I'm grateful that you took the time to share your insights today. You know, as I said, our industries are so closely intertwined and the, they are the, unfortunately the much isn't known people don't talk about that but i know you understand that very well yeah the fate of the travel industry and the fate of the fashion industry are therefore uh closely intertwined as well so you know thank you for your 
um, your your inputs and your ideas and your insight because you know it's some tough tough messages because for those uh, listeners who are hoping that you know we'll all be traveling back uh, sometime this year it sounds like that's a long shot and uh, if there's a way to build in uh, drive-throughs on those road trips into your travel retail strategy then maybe you should look at that um, I bet that's already being thought about yeah absolutely well thank you Rafa of course thank you Mike. I'm Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion. Thanks for joining us for this special edition of the BOF Podcast. Tune in next week. We'll have more for you on the global pandemic impacting the fashion and the travel industries. And come to us for the latest insights on BOF Professional, uh, your go-to resource during these times of trouble. See you next week. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, give us a rating, and you might be interested in joining the Business of Fashion's global membership community, BOF Professional. Our members receive exclusive deep dive analysis, regular email briefings, as well as unlimited access to our archive of over 10,000 articles, our new iPhone app, biannual special print editions, and all of the online courses and learning materials from BOF Education. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person, too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. <coughs> Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 